0: are listening to aubrey cd speaks to find out more information about this podcast or for future episodes you can go to my instagram and my twitter aubrey cd speaks and be sure to subscribe like comment and review thank you so much be blessed welcome back to aubrey cd speaks this episode, well, we're going to be talking about revival again. That's right. Revival, revival, revival. Now, I know I have two episodes specifically on revival where my husband and I talk about what revival has done in our lives. But this episode, I'm going to talk about why we need revival. Why the Bride of Christ needs revival, why the church needs revival. Why do we individually need revival and what revival is? I know I've talked about revival in some of my other episodes. um, And I've shared the importance of it with you. But I wanted to do another whole episode on why we need revival. Why it's so important. Um, And when I'm talking about revival... I'm not talking about, um, um, the ones where for a week or two weeks, there's a tin up and people meet there and I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, um, when, you know, uh, um, uh, a, f- a few churches from the same denomination meet up at one church and for about a week or maybe the weekend, uh, they, um, have you know their guest speakers and their pastors preach, and there's you know some specials and there's potluck downstairs and then everybody goes back to their church you know after that weekend and life goes back you know business as usual. That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what revival really is what what we have seen over and over again through history, um, where it has not just changed a a city or maybe a church, but it changes the world. And the reason I'm talking about this is because, like I've said in other episodes, revival is coming. Worldwide revival. It's not going to be just one or two churches. That have a move of God. It's going to move all over the body of Christ. It's going to be big. Not only is it going to be big. What happens with it is going to be big. Because it's going to cause a surgence of, I guess you could say, an awakening. um, Where it's going to... Well, it's not... Let me not get too ahead of myself. And we'll just talk about um, what revival is. At least, to my understanding, what revival is. I wouldn't uh, call myself a theological expert of revival, but I will call myself a person that's experienced revival. Have I experienced it to the full the way some people have? I (laughs) know. Even what... I mean, my church is in revival, and oh, man it's glorious um, and we've been in revival since two thousand and sixteen, and honestly, there's been waves of different things that have happened. It's not just uh it hasn't just been one thing, it's been a wave of of things, and uh, I do believe that the reason is because the Lord's needing to kind of prep us for what's going to happen um, instead of us just falling and breaking because we were hungry and thirsty and there's been prophetic words over uh, my church about revival and we had to get to a place. We had to get to a point. And not only that, there had to be uh, a spot, a period of time where people were able to make a decision of what they wanted to do with revival or with the presence of God moving. Um, and I'll, I'll get into this too. I know I've talked about this before, but um, revival revival brings a, um, a line in the sand in your life on whether or not you want to pursue it, whether or not you want to continue down the road of what God is doing, um, or if you, you know, say no to it and say no to what he's doing and say no to what he wants to do in your life. And, and walk away from, from revival. And a lot of times, a lot of times, um, again, I'm not, I'm not going to be the person that says every time, but I am going to say a lot of times. When uh, a person leaves during a move of God, um, it's usually because of the move of God that's happening in the church. Um, there's evidence, there's a lot of evidence over history of revival to, um, to back that up, to be quite honest. But we've seen over time what God has been doing to his bride, what God has been doing to his church. He has been refining her. He has been, um, molding her. And, uh, I will say, um, getting her ready, getting her ready for his return, for the return of Jesus. And revival can also bring, uh, or revival can also hasten the return. And the way that it happens is the preaching of the gospel. And I'll get into all that too. But first, let's talk about what is revival. I believe, um, and again, I'm taking this from my own experience. I'm taking this from uh, research that I've done um, over time. I had to say, since 2015, I've been doing research. I've been watching things in revival. I've been reading stuff on revival. I've been listening to people that have been in revival. And uh, I will say revival is a coming back. Um, what I, I call revival a re-life. Be- that's basically what it is, a revive, a re-life. It brings you back to life. And a revival is not for um, those that are not born again. Revival is specifically for those who are born again, who are actually truly born again. It's, it's not for those who um, are there for societal reasons or to keep up appearances or, uh, you know, well, cut and dry, they're lost, and and they're, they're there for whatever other reasons other than to bring glory to God. I mean, revival is for the church. Revival is for his people. It's to bring a real life, not only to the church, but to individuals. If you want to bring revival to the church, you have to bring revival to the individuals. Or it's just going to dissipate. It's just going to die out. Because it's not meant to just harbor in, in a specific church house meeting place. It's to uh, abide. It's to linger. It's to reside in the individual sons and daughters of God. And I will say, I mean, I've got... Scriptures to show uh, real life, and um, I've been doing some work on this. I mean, I <laughs> sent, I put up on my Instagram a thing about how this this episode is in process, and it it was a process because I wanted to do I wanted to do some work on this one, and quite honestly, I still don't think I've done enough work on this. Um, but um, I wanted to share this with you, and I've got. I I've got four pages of scripture, which I probably won't even get to all of them because that would just it'd definitely take a while. But, um, but I will say, for one thing, that revival is a return. Revival is a real life. And it's what, it, what the real life is, is it, it's a return to your first love. It's uh, reviving you to the place of where you were when you were born again. Yes, there is growth. Yes, there is maturity that happens. There's nothing wrong with that. But if over time you have allowed legalities, legalities of religion, um, if you've allowed uh, hindrances, if you've allowed people to blind you and things to bring yourself uh, down, um and you've lost that fire and vigor and passion for the word of god for prayer for preaching of the gospel for being in his presence for worship um then i would say that you need a re-life you need a revival you need to be revived you have lost your first love where it didn't matter what anybody said it didn't matter if you lost friends, it didn't matter if your family decided to disown you. You were going to go after Christ. You were going to hold on and cling to Jesus no matter what. And and it was your drive, it was what you ate and you drank and what you breathed and what you how you slept and and you didn't really care. About the other things that happen, even though the other things that happen in your life, you know, you've got kids, you're married, you've got a job. I know this, but the passion, your passion, your thoughts are bent on Christ, on the word of God, on his spirit. Like you can't get away from prayer. Um, You can't get away of when it comes to worshiping him. No matter where you are, you've got to tell people you know, when they ask you how you're doing, you're like, oh, "I'm so blessed. I, I, I'm fantastic. God is so good." You know, like there's you don't really care <laughs> how somebody's gonna react to what you're you're feeling because it's love. There's so much love in you. There's so much of Him in you that you you just you you eke it. I mean, it comes out of your pores. You know. And that's the way it was when you, you first got born again, right? And over time, people are like, hey, you need to tone it down a notch, you know? And and you've, through time, because you're saying, you know, oh, well, this person is respected and honored in in the church, and he says, I need to tone it down, or I need to stop, you know, just telling just anybody about the gospel, and I need to stop just inviting just anyone to the to church, and I need to... I need to um, stop, you know, just dancing, and I need to stop shouting, and I need to stop, you know, putting my hands up, there's only certain times to do these things, uh, then um, you've been weighted down with the legalities of religion. And believe me, we've all gone through this. We've all dealt with this. One way or another, there's always been something or someone along the way that has told you that there's supposed to be a certain rhythm and rhyme to what you're doing and you're going against the flow of the rhythm and rhyme even though you are so in love with Jesus that, I mean, it's it's your life. It's, it's who you are. And they have quenched what was never supposed to be quenched. They've put water on your fire and... And you're kind of like, well, I'll go through the motions I'll start wearing what I'm, you know, certain things I'm supposed to wear. I'm sp- I'm going to start speaking a certain way I'm supposed to speak. I'm going to stand the way I'm supposed to stand. And all oh, they say that worship is supposed to be this way. Well, then I'll worship that way. And prayer is supposed to sound like this. So I'll pray that way. And, and if I have, if I'm going to preach the gospel, I have to go to seminary or I have to go some kind to some kind of, you know, Christian university. Well, then I'll do that. And, it's it's all legalities, you know, and, and it, it never stopped you before in preaching the gospel or worshiping the Lord, but somewhere along the way it has, and we've allowed it. And so revival is going back to your first love. Revival is going back to your first passion, back to the raw truth, back to the raw love, back to the raw relationship between you and the Father. So let's see. I have this, okay, the gist of the reason has always been to bring us back to our first love, this revival, the father, and, and there are, there are, um, I mean, revi- revivals that have happened in the past, okay, um, and sometimes it's just been, you know, this one man full of fire, full of vigor, full of zeal, going out and preaching the gospel or, or saying no, this is not what the word of God says, and I'm going to stand on that. And he, that, that standing just shakes the world. And those revivals are a return to the word, a return to the word of God. And, and every, every single re- worldwide revival has been that way. It's been a return to the word of God. It's always a return to the word of God. It, a revival never contradicts what the word of God says, because the word of God is God. You know, and so revival will always go along with the word. Revival will always be a return to the word. Um, and each one has brought back a revelation of who we are and where we need, where we need to be. Like Martin Luther with salvation, understanding what salvation truly is. Um, there's been returning us to our, our Father. Uh, bringing us back to the Father, bringing us back to truth, bringing us back to the knowledge of what it means to be a son or daughter of God. And each and everything is bringing us back to the Word and what the Word says and taking it at face value instead of reading between the lines, trying to understand some kind of code. Now, I'll go here with it because... You know, a lot of times when we talk about revival, it it does go to this, but it's the gist, okay? Revelation 2, 1 through 5, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation because I really do like the way they wrote these verses. And it says, Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Ephesus. For these are the words of the one who holds the seven stars firmly in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know all that you've done for, for, done for me, you have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name, yet you have not become discouraged. But I have this against you you have abandoned the passionate love you had for me at the beginning think about how far you have fallen repent and do the works of love you did at first i will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place of influence if you do not repent like okay the church of ephesus they they seem to be doing all the right things and and it looks good and it and, and it sounds good and and even 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 The Lord was like, it's good. You know, you did these things and you were right and you discerned and it was right. And all this was right. And you did all your systematic stuff. and, And it's, it's correct. It's, yes, that's, that's good. But where am I? Where am I in all of this? And that's what he's saying. Where, where, where am I in all of this? You've abandoned your first love. And the first love is Him. So he's saying, where where am I? You know, all the passion and love you had for me at the beginning, where is that now? You're doing all of this without me. Oh, how, fall, how far you have fallen? Because, I mean, in the Old Testament, he talks about, he, he tells the people, I, I believe it is the prophet Samuel that said it, but he said, uh, um, you know, all the... All the sacrifices and the and the celebrations, like the, all all the all the form um, of what you're doing, is not what he wants. He wants your obedience. He wants your love. And the Church of Ephesus is going down that same road. They're doing all the all the look and the form and the pizzazz, and 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 it looks good. And and they're doing the motions of what it meant to be. Uh, a Christian, you know, born again, but they've lost him in the process. There's, there's not the love and obedience toward him. It's just the motions. And he's like, "Where's that raw passion you had for me?" And honestly, church, that's where we've gotten. We've, we're in a place where we're, we're doing all the forms. We're doing all the, uh, the things, the motions of what the custom of what we're, we're used to doing, you know, uh, um, Baptists do things a certain way, Pentecostals do things a certain way, um, uh, all the other, you know, denominations, they do all their things a certain way, and and they, but, but there's a problem here, we're doing things, and it looks good, and it sounds good, and, you know, it might be good, but we've lost our first love it doesn't matter what denomination you're in i'm going to emphasize that it doesn't matter what denomination you're in i'm talking to you if you are born again i'm talking to you if you um if you are truly born again if god did a work in your life if upon repenting he acted upon your your humility in repentance and he pulled out your heart of stone and he put in you a heart of flesh and he brought to life your spirit so you're no longer this 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 sinful wretch but you were a child of God you are born again you've been changed and you are clothed with the righteousness of God I'm talking to you. I don't care if you're charismatic or not. I'm talking to you. Let the Lord take care of that. I'm talking to you. If your desire is to see souls saved, brought into the kingdom, you live for that. And whether you don't and you need to realize that you do, <laughs> that's the whole, I mean, the whole reason is for us to be abiding with him and knowing him and, and preaching the gospel kind of goes along with it because we love him but it's bringing us back to our first love and bring bringing us back to our first love will bring us back into preaching the gospel it will bring change not only into our church but our city our society our county our state our country the world if one man just one man on fire for god with a zeal and a passion that that 10 of us have yet to discover can go out and preach and change a nation then what could the body of Christ collectively no matter the denomination that you are a part of can you possibly imagine what we can do as a body but one of the things that we have to do is we got to go back to our first love we have to return to our first love When nothing else mattered but Jesus, being with Jesus, talking with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, reading his word, telling other people about it. With so much love and joy in your heart that you're willing to go through fire. You welcomed everything that he had for you and wanted to do in your life. Because you loved him so, so much. And your connection to him was so close and strong. See, that's what he desires of us. Everything else, like, that's that's good. That's good. But if we're going through the motions without him, it's worthless. He is love. God is love. And and I know that there are a lot of people that are talking about, you know, they, they use a scripture that Paul talks about. If... Uh, if I don't have love, then I'm a sounding brass. And if I do all these great things, but I don't have love, it's nothing. God is love. And, and, and you know, and they, they take it, um, but they, they, they take it as in we need to be holding people's hands and hugging people and just and just showing them love and and, you know, being nice. And God is love. God is love. God is righteous, holy, just. He hates sin. We have to get back to that place where it's just raw, you and God. We have to get back. No matter where you came from, no matter what your denomination is, you're not affiliated with the denomination. I mean honestly, think about this. You're not going to go to heaven and the Lord go, Oh, Julia, I see here that you're a Baptist and you're a member of this church. Okay. Well then you go to A12 and, and that's your section, the Baptist of your, uh, uh, mindset. That's where, that's where you go. No, we're going to be all mixed together. So guess what? Your, your denomination doesn't matter. We got to get that straight. Denominations don't matter. In heaven, there is no denomination. So why on earth do we have them? Like, seriously, why on earth are we going around saying, I'm this a nomination, I'm this a nomination, I'm this a nomination? Who cares? Are you born again? Are you born again? Are you really and truly born again? Because that's what's going to matter. It's not even going to matter what kind of, you know, I'm I'm from this person or I'm from that person. Well, that you know where that person is? If that pastor is really born again, he's at the feet of Jesus. He don't care. He don't care where you at. He's over there praising and worshiping the Lord. So, what are you doing thinking that it's going to really matter? We have to get back to our first love because when we get to the first love, we'll actually look like a body unified in Christ. This is a passion of mine. The Lord has been pressing this on me, and I've talked about this before, but the Lord has been pressing this on me about a unified bride, a unified body. It's so vitally important to be unified in Christ and not care who we are affiliated with, which brings me to this: If you left a church in offense, listen to me. If you left a church in offense, I don't care if you say you weren't offended and you have nothing against them, blah blah blah. But you go around to other people and you're trying to get them out of that church, telling them that you had a problem with the pastor, and you're trying to talk. You're talking to other people around you, telling them, "Oh, I I left because and it's offense. I left because they did." Me wrong, and you're going around and you're talking about this other church and this other pastor. Uh, let me inform you of something one that's unforgiveness, and so you may not even get to heaven. Kingdom of Heaven if you don't forgive others, He's not going to forgive you. So, if you're going around talking about how people did you wrong at this church and how your friends did you wrong and your pastor did you wrong. And so you're at this other church, even though you tell other people that you weren't offended and that you don't have a problem with that church, but you tell others, uh, that's bitterness, that's unforgiveness, um, that's uh, a wolf coming in in sheep's clothing trying to remove other people from, another, from that church, uh, being used by the enemy, You need to repent. You need to humble yourself before the Lord. And you need to get that fixed. You need to get that fixed quick because that's not a good road to go down. Time and time again, I've seen people walk away from Christ because of that road. Why the ones that they're so offended about thrive in Christ, they completely walk away. So if you are offended by another pastor or another church you better get that straight cuz you won't even enter the kingdom of God if you don't have unforg- if you don't have forgiveness in your life if you have if you're harboring unforgiveness Secondly you do enter the kingdom of heaven guess who's going to be there that pastor and that church that you're so offended with they're gonna be there. So you better get your act together here before you enter up there. Cause I can tell you right now that other church has nothing. They don't they don't care. They're just they're just lurking to Christ. Some of them might even not even know that you have an offense. So what are you doing wasting your time here being so being so hurt? Gosh, feelings don't even belong in this. Okay. But I wanted to bring that out because that is something that is prevalent, nasty, growing, festering in the body of Christ. This unforgiveness and offense towards other churches and other pastors. Straighten up, man up, girl up, woman up, and whatever. Get a backbone. Get all loosey-goosey with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus again. Forgive those people and keep going forward. You might find yourself actually liking them again. (laughs) Because you kind of see them in heaven. But, um, yeah, uh, heaven does not have uh, cliques. Heaven doesn't have certain sections for certain denominations. We're a body of Christ. It's who we are. We are unified by Christ. So you might as well get your act together and not be so offended about a nominations. And stop being a nominated. 2 uh, Timothy 3, 1 through 5 kind of goes right along with what I was talking about. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce. People will be self-centered lovers of themselves and obsessed with, uh, with money. They will boast of great things as they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock all that is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. They will find their delight in the pleasures of this world more than the pleasures of loving God. They may pretend to have respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. The reason I brought that up is, is because we've lost our way. You know, we, we, we're not going to... Uh, I'm not going to butter this up because this is so very important. If we're going to be the body of Christ, we need to be the body of Christ and we need to be there for each other and stop being offended with, with crap, with things that aren't even right, with things that aren't even of God. And we're allowing ourselves to be influenced by them. Mm, well, second Timothy three three through four for the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to healing words of truth because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires saying just what they want to hear. They will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. These people won't even enter the kingdom of God. They they're completely walked away from their first love. These are the ones that have become, cold cold to truth because they've big because they've grown offended in one way or another and so they don't want revival they don't desire revival they don't want to return to their first love they've allowed themselves to to be influenced by by the world to be influenced by the devil and the pleasures of this world and temptation and uh, people that are have infiltrated in the church, these wolves in the church that have influenced them and have said, um, shouldn't it be this way? You know, those, those snakes, those snakes, they're saying, but, but is that really what the word of God says? Hey, what that person said, is that really what the word of God says? And, and they've caused the church to question in such a way the word of God they're not taking it at face value and, and they're, they're mixing it up and they're adding to and it's, it's disgusting and it's perverted and it's not right. And we are allowing ourselves to be influenced by these people and we have to stop. We have to return to our first love. We have to return to the raw love of God and his truth. And not let go of it for one second. Because if we let go of it, we become the very ones that, that Paul tells Timothy to watch out for. It's so easy to allow one little thing to come in and fester in our lives. And then pretty soon, it's gangrene. It doesn't take long. We have to be oh so very aware that we are not beyond anything. That we're we're a body of Christ, but we have to keep looking to Christ. We have to be abiding in him so that we don't stray away. So we don't allow uh, things to fester in our lives. I like that word fester today. (laughs) So let's see. How do we return to our first love? I'll talk about that before I get into something else. Well, I would say just from experience, how do we get back to our first love? We humble ourselves and we admit that we've allowed ourselves to be blown by it, you know, blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We've allowed ourselves to be blinded by religion and we've allowed ourselves to be blinded by legalistic, pharisaical nonsense. We've allowed ourselves to be torn away by by others who, frankly, aren't even born again. But they they look holy and they look righteous. And, you know, so we allow ourselves to become wayward. We allow our ears to be scratched instead of our hearts being refined. And when we confess that and we admit to him, we're not where we should be. And we humble ourselves just like in a place of salvation, there's response. You know, it, it, He, God says if if you return to me, I will return to you. He's waiting for you to respond for him to return. He's not going to return to you first and then you respond. He's going for he's waiting for you to seek. He's waiting for your hand on this and then he'll respond. And then he'll act on it. Because there has to be humility. He doesn't respond to pride. Well, he responds to pride. He responds by, you know, giving you the stiff arm. He hates pride. He detests pride. He's disgusted by pride. So, no, you, you won't. He won't return to you in all your your pride, and all your glory. He'll return to you when you put yourself in the dirt. He'll respond to you when you humble yourself and admit you're wrong. And not that, I, I, I expect you to do this to me or for me. It's, I have to have you. I need you. I realize I'm not who I am. I'm not who you created me to be. I've allowed myself to take on things that were not of you. And I'm letting those things go. And I'm coming before you and humbly asking you to fill me, refine me, respond to me. Because I need you. Nothing matters but you. He responds to that. He responds to yield. He responds to you submitting to his authority. Here's. Psalm fifty one, ten through 17 I love this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise, for you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you do not despise. Second Chronicles 714 says, if my people, we know this one a lot, we hear it a lot. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. James 4, 8, A, and then verse 10, okay? So James 4, 8, and just the beginning, A. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And then verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. <laughs> I could, I really could go on and on. Uh, Isaiah 64, 1 through 4 says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains might shake at your presence as fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known, to make your adversaries, the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. The mountains shook at your presence for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. Yielded. Those people are yielded. Those that wait for him, they've, they've, they've opened themselves completely. You know, it talks about they, 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 they their clothes. You know, they, they're, they're, they're completely exposed and at the mercy of God. Okay, those that have yielded Romans 12, 1 through two, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of culture around you, but be inwardly Im- transformed Inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Psalm twenty three one through four. Let me tell you, Psalm Psalm twenty three. You know, growing up, all you hear it is you know at funerals and stuff. Since revival has happened. My mind is blown with Psalms 23 and what he's actually saying, okay? All right, all right, here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's a yielded heart. That's one who's completely yielded to his authority and his power and has said, you you do your work in me and I will be a vessel for you. I will be a mouthpiece for you. I have laid everything down and I am here for you completely and and honestly that's that's, that's what an individual that's, that's an individual's um, like response and it brings revival that, that kind of response to God um, when done individually in people's lives in a church, and it becomes that unified mindset that unified way because everyone's doing it because you're do, you're 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 in that place individually the presence of god shows and and it's a sweet fiery presence And he responds, and he responds in love. And he he responds in reminding you of who you are and who you were meant to be. And revival happens. this is what it looks like, okay? Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones and before i want to say this i want to i want to bring this up a a body of christ that comes into revival the pastor um or preacher who you know the the preacher who is um over uh what's being done is like ezekiel here he is um he is the one declaring this over the church even though they're individually seeking God okay this is um, this is what happens corporately when when the pastor comes in and and begins to make it a unified voice okay this is how there's a, this is a response from God and he speaks it to the pastor because you know how can we believe unless unless we hear you know unless we have Someone who preaches it, who speaks it, and so the pastor is there to declare what God is saying over His church. Um, even though we're corporately hungry and thirsty, even though we're corporate, we're we're individually desiring. I'm sorry, even though we're individually desiring God and individually um, needing Him and humbling ourselves before Him. Then the father responds by speaking to the one who was residing over this revival so let's say a pastor in a church okay so a, a pastor residing over this revival and what is God what God is doing he's going to tell him to speak um, and and declare and declare over the people and when that is done things happen because you know it, it even says in Amos you know God's not going to do anything unless, he tells uh, a prophet, you know, he tells someone and, th- and that person speaks it out and he declares it out. Um, you know, the world was created because God, you know, Ho- Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, waiting for the voice of God to speak. And when God spoke, things were manifested. And it's the same way here with uh, revival. Okay. Okay. So then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a void, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together. Bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also, he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied, and he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived. And stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. that he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your you gra- your graves, O my people, and wrought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. I'll give you one more. Isaiah fifty seven fifteen, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity whose name is holy i dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble of the humbled and to revive the the heart of the contrite ones so we have scripture to tell us what revival is and to tell us what we need to do to have revival and Honestly, there's, there's scripture on response of revival. You know, I mean, um, he says that he'll, he'll heal our land. He'll bless us. Um, but we need revival today. We need revival. And not just in, you know, certain churches here and there all over the world. And honestly, maybe even youth. You know, you think you might be in a good place. You think you might kind of be in revival right now. You can have more. There is always more. Always, always, always more. And you can go deeper and further. There's never a stopping point with Christ, with Holy Spirit. There's never a stopping point. You go further and further and further. And just like it said in Psalms, you know, in Ezekiel, he it's the dry bones being brought to life and breath being put into them and them being revived and renewed and and the Lord is putting his spirit in them and 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 they're going to be his and he's gonna be theirs. And then in Psalm fifty-one it talks about how when when we're renewed, when when he comes and he renews our hearts and his presence is, is there on us or on, like David's saying, is on him. What does he do? In response to it, I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. So he's saying that because of his renewed spirit, that basically the gospel gets preached. Let sinners get converted. That's who we are. That's our existence to abide in God, to abide with God to be sons and daughters of God, and to preach the gospel so that others can come to Christ, so that others can know God. But we have to return to our first love. We have to be revived, renewed. We have to be relived, because we're dry. The body of Christ today is dry. It's so dry. And it, it, The body of Christ doesn't even understand. I am not even in a place yet of, of, I'm just in the beginning stages of, of revival and his presence and pouring out his presence. there are moments where I'm like, oh man, his presence is so heavy on me, but I'm desiring more and I'm getting more and I'm experiencing more and it's blowing my mind and it, it will blow your mind and you have to kind of like throw out. Um, what you think and you have to throw out your feelings and you have to just be yielded to him and humble yourself it, There, humility is always has to always be there there always has to be humility uh, yielding comes from humility there always has to be u- humility in order to be have revival you can never be in a place where you're like okay I'm good now God you can stop this flow that's going on No, it, it, he'll be like Pfft everything will be sucked out we, we never be, need to be in a place of I've got this it we always need to be in a place of humility of knowing that we're we are never um, we are never in a place of enough God is the God of more than enough so if God is the God of more than enough then we're never in a place of enough we're always in a place of needing him, of, of continually getting revelation. We're never in a place of, oh, I, I know everything about God. No, you don't know everything about God. You don't know everything about the word. Oh, I've been, I, I've been in, you know, I studied theology. I've been in sem- seminary for, you know, blah, 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 for 10 years, blah, blah, blah. I know everything there is to know about the Bible. No, there's more. There's always more. You may know scripture, but you need to know more of God. We are always consistently. Always in a place. Of wanting to know more. Of getting revelation of more. Of being in his presence. And not letting go for nothing. Because when we have revival. There will be. Uh, the, the next step. Which is more people. More souls. And over and over again. We see this in, in worldwide revivals. where Where a revival happened. And people got born again. And then like. The st- other stuff happened, okay. But we're not going to go into that. We always have to be in a place of having a passion for him, because when we go back to our first love, we'll go back to a passion for the gospel. We'll go back and not be afraid of who we talk to or how we sound, and and we don't have to teach people like um how to sound convincing. We can actually just preach the gospel. We can actually just talk to people and, and, and share the gospel and share how their time is short on this earth. Their life is a vapor. They could be on earth side one day and in hell the next. We have to preach the gospel. Time is running out. And I know we've heard that for years, but it's, it's that way for years. Every generation. We only have so long on this earth. And some people have a shorter time on this earth. We need to be using our time wisely and, and preach the gospel. But we have to be in a place where his presence is, is, is so on us, where the love of God is filling us. We have to be back at our first love. Back where we desire him and we're not, we, we don't just look like a church, but we are the church. And we are the bride. And we're unified in Christ. And we want souls. We want people to come to Christ. We desire for people to come to Christ. And we have a love for people the way God has a love for people. And and we're diligent on speaking truth rather than worrying about whether or not we're going to offend a person. And I don't mean we need to be mean. And even the fact that I have to even clarify that is silly. We have to get into a place where we love God so much that what, why we exist, uh, the will of God is done simply from our love of God. It's not because we're obligated to do it. It's because it just is us. It's a part of us. We are co-heirs with Christ. It's living, breathing. It's eating, drinking. It's, it's, it's life. It's everything in us, and we're consumed by it. We need revival. Revival. You and I we we need more, we need more of God, we need to be in a place where we're so yielded that we're that we're willing vessels we need to be in a place where we're so yielded that that there's no that there's no world filter on us there's there's just the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us in all truth, and we have such a joy on our lives we still have such joy in our hearts that that we can, that we can go anywhere. We can do anything. Our faith is, is so rene- our faith is renewed. We can say sure to the Lord, because we love Him, and say I'll go anywhere, I'll go anywhere, and I'll do anything, as long as you're with me. I'll do anything. I'll go anywhere. I don't care. I just want you. I just want you. And it comes out of that, the joy of the Lord comes out of you, and people are going, "Why are you so happy all the time?" Ah, <laughs> oh, the Lord is so good. That's why I'm blessed. And they they'll point out all these things about you that it's like, well, you're like this, and your life is like this, and this is going on, and that's going on. You're like, that doesn't matter. I have joy, and yeah, we're I'm I'm gonna fail sometimes, and my temper is gonna get the best of me, or you know you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna, you know, do something stupid or say something stupid, but there's that's where the grace of God comes in and you can pick yourself back up and say, No, I'm I'm I got the joy. I love the Lord. I'm I'm still a part of him. He loves me. And you keep going. We need revival. The church needs revival. The body of Christ needs a revival and we need to be hungry and thirsty for it. And if there is not Uh, revival in your life or you've you found yourself in a place where you know you're you're listening to this and you're like i'm i just can't fight anymore i I just feel like i can't fight i can't do it or i'm in a hole i can't get out of it And i understand i was in that place too and then the joy of the lord came in and i've never been the same i'm not the same person I got my fire back. The Lord made me to be a fighter. He created me to be a fighter and to be one stubborn bulldog about, about things, about his will, his desires, his word, his truth. I will bulldog it. I will hold on. And I'm not going to let go. And he made me that way. And he reminded me of that. And that's what revival does. He reminds you of who you are and the way he's made you out to be. And you've got to grab a hold of that. You're just going to say, I'm not going to let go of that. I know who I am. I know who he's made me to be. I'm not made to be like anybody else. I'm made to be who he's made me to be. I am a co-heir of Christ. I look like Jesus. I am righteous. I'm going to hold on to that. And you hold on to it. You go out and you preach the gospel to every creature because it's going to hasten his return. You do it in joy. Lay hold of what God is doing. Do not come to a place where the presence of God moves and moves so raw and soundly that you become offended and you say no to it. I've seen that happen. It's heartbreaking. Put your place, put put yourself in humility and yield to what the Spirit of the Lord is doing in this time. And catch wind. Get in to what God is doing. And let revival consume you. And renew you. So that souls will come. So that transgressors will hear and and be converted. like, Like David said. I might talk about this again another time because (laughs) I love it. I might talk about preaching the gospel again another time because I love it, it's my life, it's who I am. I might talk about some of the other things that are going on in the church today that need to stop because it needs to be said. That's the whole reason that this was created. This needs to be talked about too. Grab a hold. Grab a hold of what God is doing. And if there's not revival going on in your church right now, humble yourself before the Lord. Be contrite before Him. Yield to Him. And let Him do a work in your life. Pray for your church. Pray for your pastor. He needs prayer. They need prayer. His family, they need prayer. She needs prayer. Your pastors need prayer. They need to be... Held up, they need to be, uh, you need to pray for protection over them, blessings over them, health, of declared health over them. Like, they get attacked. Pray for your pastor. Pray for revival for your church. Pray for the people in the church that, that they'll, they'll lay a hold of this and not let go. So when revival comes sweeping through like a tidal wave all over the world, it won't break. It won't be a lie, or like a wineskin, the old wineskin that, that new wines poured into and it bursts. It won't be like that. That they won't grow offended, but they'll, they'll heed to it of what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. Seek his face. The Lord says, Seek my face. David responded with, Oh Lord, your face I will seek. The the Spirit of the Lord is saying that again and again and again. He's saying, Church, seek my face. Our response needs to be, Oh Lord, your face I will seek.